Hi guys, Damon O'Neill here. Welcome to the More Than Backpacking podcast, episode number six. Now, if you listened to the last episode, you'll realise that this is part two of the last episode. So if you haven't listened to the last episode of the conversation with Natalie, I suggest you go and listen to that before you listen to this because our guest on this episode, Charles, did join the conversation and this episode does feature Natalie and Carly as well from the previous episode. So it will make more sense if you listen to episode number five first. However, if you haven't got time, I think this is a shorter episode, so just have a listen and let me know what you think. We we speak to Charles and he gives us some great advice on his his advice for travelling and life in general and his career, how he went from doing different things to being in Costa Rica in a hostel with a few 20-somethings talking about God knows what. So keep an eye out for his advice. If you ever think you need a bit of advice, no. And if you think his advice was good and worth it, then make sure you leave a review or share this episode with someone else. Let's get started. You're on a podcast, but then... Yeah, and I helped out with it. I get credits too. I get a charger. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like so difficult because... Also, when you go... Also, it's quite funny. When you go home, they don't really care either. No, they they don't care at all. Because they've got their own life (laughs) Uh and sort of... It's Which weird, is sort of fair as well because you probably don't care how their life has yeah, gone whilst yeah. you've been away. So. It's weird when you leave and you come back because like you feel like you've changed so much because like new experiences just bring change. But then like you go back and you feel like nothing's changed oh, yeah. when mm-hmm. you return. But when you think about it, it's like, okay, like you were gone for a year and a half. A lot changes in a year and a half at home too. So like it's just weird. But does it? Like, for the people, yeah, it could. But is it, is it the people who change or home, the place that change? Both. Even when you're at home, it's you who change, isn't it? But some people don't because they hate change and they're just doing the same thing every day. So it's sort of, they uh, plateau. I mean, I definitely think that the, the one who leaves and returns will probably be the one that's changed more. Yeah. But I, I, I think that there is constant change in everything. You know, so like there's no there's no way you can leave for a few months or leave leave for a few years and not return to change. There's always going to be change. Whether it's big or small. Could be a new building or something like that. Exactly. So literally put, could be a new building. Did you put the quote for the day up there? <laughs> no, I didn't know. Oh, no. How funny is that? How funny is that? <laughs> In order to change your life, you must first change yourself. No, I didn't. <laughs> That's, that, that was me. <laughs> and I didn't ask that question because of that quote of the day. That was, I, can't, I, I forgot that I put that up there earlier today. So. But it's very true. People yeah. think that things have to change for their life to improve, but often it's them. Yeah. Most of the time is there. Yeah. What do you reckon, Charles? Well, I've spent the last uh, nearly 30 years working in a university. Doing uh, what? I was on the business side, so it was all people and money. Business uh, side of the university? Teaching? Or on... Okay. Uh, Making sure it doesn't go bust? Basically, but... More looking after external funding that was coming in, so 
government aid that was going overseas and stuff like that, project managing that. But in the time I was there, I spent a lot of time with students. Yeah. And so I find it quite fascinating how I look at you three and you know, you're obviously a lot younger than I am. I, you may be not students, but um, um, at least one generation older. Yeah. <laughs> um, I look at what my generation did to the planet and has done to politics and the economy of the world. And I just think you guys are going to have such a shit time because A, the planet is a finite resource. My generation ripped the guts out of it in terms of oil and all the rest of it. You guys are going to have to probably work into your 70s and 80s um, unless, and this, I, I find this trip that I'm doing fascinating because I think it's really good that a lot of you have thought, well fuck this, I'm going to go travelling now. I want to see some of the world. As opposed to when you retire. Yeah. Yeah, which is more of a, you said that's more of a, like an old, old fashioned mindset because now, we, like you said, we might have to work till we're 80 so we won't ever get to travel. I mean, in, in the UK, I mean, it's going to affect you. It'll be different in the States and Switzerland, I guess, but um, I think globally we have a big problem. Uh, there's a couple of things that I don't have the answer to, but I look at the developing world, the people there are looking at what we've done, mm -hmm. the kind of lifestyle that we have. You can't criticise them for wanting to be like that they look at us and think they've got such a much better lifestyle I, w I want my kids educated I want a, a home with a roof and that doesn't leak and all this stuff and then I look at all the politicians I mean you've had the G7 summit meeting this week with Trump and the, the other ones I just think they're, they're just not getting the message uh, because they're fighting their own corner but they're not looking at things globally and the big thing for me is even if, if I was Donald Trump or Theresa May or Putin, doesn't matter who, none of them are addressing what I think is the biggest problem and that is the uh, explosion in the population of the world. Because That's funny. <laughs> we, can't, we cannot feed that number of people and I, I just think that Maybe in the next 10 years, it's quite interesting for me. I, I think China might become the biggest economy. It will overtake the states. And when it does that, and if you look at the way China has been buying up land all over the world, ripping out all the rare minerals and everything, I think at some point they will become the, mo the major power. And suddenly you're going to have a problem because the dollar, which everybody has thought was the, the basic stable currency throughout the world, everything hangs on the strength of the dollar. Suddenly I think the Chinese are going to say, well actually we're more powerful. 
you know, the Chinese currencies might take over. And that'll be a big shake-up in the financial system, and you all know, you know, when the financial crisis hit, I think we're heading for another one, bigger one. Because I look, as I came down through Mexico, I was amazed at the number of young women walking around in Mexico with babies, you know, one on each arm. Oh, that's unbelievable. And I'm thinking to myself, how on earth are we going to educate them and get them university, education, all the rest of it? And the further south I travel, I just see it's getting worse. So sorry to be doom and gloom. <laughs> it's alright. You did ask. I don't let the doom and gloom ruin my optimism for the future. I mean, you guys are the future. Uh, we are the world. <laughs> we are the future. <laughs> I was bigger. That was a forty-five million pound project. Uh, basically in the developing countries, so South America, Africa, Asia, especially Bangladesh. Yeah. Looking at the ecosystems and how they could be developed to basically alleviate poverty. And it's quite a, it was a big challenge for my colleagues who are academics who just are used to doing research. You know, but our money was, you're getting this money because we want your research to have an impact on poverty alleviation, yeah. national yeah. policy making. And academics have a real problem with that because they, they like to do pure research. They do research for a result rather than to yeah. produce like a, a next action point, yeah. I suppose. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. They're, academics, not to categorise or stereotype or put them in a box... But people who like the research, like you, I think they would like it black and white, so this proves that, and that is, yeah. That was probably the biggest challenge I had, was getting them to accept that the money we were awarding them to go off and do this research, whether it was in the mangroves or off the coast of East Africa, or the water systems in Bolivia, or the flood systems in uh, Bangladesh. We wanted a result that was going to have an impact on the government's policy making. Now a lot of them have got a real problem focusing yeah. on that. What, um, what university did you work for? Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Oh, that's funny, we had a couple of graduates from Edinburgh here yesterday. Oh, right, okay. And four, two weeks ago. The two yesterday were two of the four, two weeks ago. Right, okay. Um, but they left today. Yeah. So did you live in Edinburgh? Yeah. For most of your life, half your life, a few years? Best part of 30 years. Really? Yeah. Oh, nice. You like it there? Loved it. I don't, I don't know Edinburgh. It's supposed to be a beautiful city, though. It's, uh, I, I love Edinburgh. It's, um, when it's raining, it's miserable. But... That uh, happens in Scotland. It happens in England <laughs> as well, anyway. Yeah, but it's not so cold down in London. Yeah. And, um, but I, what I liked about Edinburgh was that it had something for everybody. And half an hour you could be up in the hills, or an hour you could be up in the highlands. Yeah. 
20 minutes, you're out at the international airport with links all over the world. Um, and then, of course, you've got the Fringe Festival that goes on in July and August, which is just amazing. And it's a big student city as well, isn't it? There's a lot of students. Yeah, we've got three universities there. Uh, a lot of energetic students. Yeah. And Edinburgh's the biggest. We have 34,000 students at Edinburgh. So That's a big one, yeah. Wow. You were at uni in London? Greenwich, I went to University of Greenwich. Oh, okay. right. You assumed I went to university? Sorry? You assumed I went to university? I heard you say earlier. Oh, okay, I'll let you off. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so, you, so you're away for six months. Are you, this is, actually, this is a great question because she, she went away for two months and she, initially... And she has a name. Natalie. No, Natalie, right? <laughs> Nat Natalie went away for two months initially uh, and stayed away for a year and a half uh -huh. um, in this area of the world. So you're, you're doing Mexico to Brazil in six months. Do, is there a chance that you could go back later because it's so big or have you got a strict schedule? Because I know you said you've got other trips planned, haven't you, over yeah, to Asia? Yeah, another three legs to do, China, Australia... Are they uh, one after another? Uh, I'll go back to the UK, see my sisters and their boys, and see my mates. I've been anywhere. I mean, obviously, I lived there for 30 years. I've got a lot of friends up there. Yeah. So um, I want to go back, have some real ale. Yeah. <laughs> then start planning my next trip. Oh, so you... Yeah, OK. So potentially you could extend... Each leg of your trip, yeah. really, yeah. I mean, I'm not tired. I don't have any ex-wives, children, anything like that. Yeah. So the only thing nagging me is my two sisters. They like to keep track of me. Because <laughs> uh, when I, I WhatsApp them last night to say my bus to Nicaragua was cancelled because of the situation. Oh, you didn't worry your sisters like that, did you? Well, they like to keep. They like to know where I am. Are they older? No, I'm. I'm the head of the family. Really? I have a sister that's a couple of years younger than me, and then I have a half sister that's sixteen years younger than me. Yeah. Uh, but we're very close. Really. Mm -hmm. And uh, my sit, my full sister, who's a couple of years younger than me, just what's that back saying? Get out of there. Get a flight. <laughs> <laughs> Do you uh, do you feel like um, that they would they say to you be careful over there, come back home, or if they hear about Nicaragua or the volcano in Guatemala, that sort of? Uh, we we had the discussion before I left because um, obviously any money I leave goes to them. So they've got a vested interest. <laughs> That's different to our conversation. <laughs> right? So we had like, um, just before I left, we had like a family last supper, but it was a Sunday lunch. <laughs> uh -huh. What else? What else? So I said to them, in the unlikely event that I get, get kidnapped, don't pay any ransom. Just let them, you know, I'm 62. If you pay a ransom, it's coming out of your inheritance, so 
don't pay it. <laughs> it sounds quite fatalistic, but it's a fact of life. Uh, yeah, but you might as well pay it. But why? They'll probably kill me anyway. You never know. But i uh, just got to make sure I don't get kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're safe here, Charles, don't worry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a safe hostel. <laughs> we think. <laughs> we think. <laughs> Touch wood. Yeah. No, but Charles, the reason I asked is we were discussing. Uh, we, we, we were. <laughs> I was going to say something bad there about parents, but obviously I love my parents dearly, so I don't mean it. Well, we were saying how family is annoying. Not annoying. How would you describe it? What, how it can hold you back when you want to travel and go and see, but family brings you back. And so Natalie has promised her parents that she'll go back after two months, this, four months this time, because she extended her two-month trip by 16 months last time. Right. So, uh, but she said, but she really wants to travel more, don't you? But you're doing what your parents want you to do instead of what you want to do. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, like, it's so much pressure, especially, I don't know, in other countries in Europe, but especially in, in Switzerland. I mean, I've, I'm 26 years old, and now... 26? Yeah. No sympathy, that is so young. I know! <laughs> I love it, Charles, I love it! Continue, continue. You're 26, so, but what does that mean? But it's so much pressure because now it's like you need to do something in your life. Like you need to have something, like a good career or a good job or a house or, you know, even by, family. Because by, by, by when? By when? Yeah, why? Because I, I changed career three times. Oh, I love it. That's well, right. Love it, John. Charles, talk to me, Charles. <laughs> right. I know, but you know, my family, everybody do it. You I know, know. yeah. My yeah mother, but when my mother was alive, when, even though my two sisters had married, she was focused on me all the time. When are you going to get married, Charles? And, I mean, I had girlfriends, but never got married. That was just the way it worked out. Is that why you look so young, Charles? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I've got a tooth falling out, so I'm starting to <laughs> fall apart now. But I met two girls from London. Um, we, we've now got a race uh, because uh, they, they're going to try and beat me to Patagonia. Yeah. Wait, so if you win the race, do you get there first or second? Uh, it doesn't matter. Oh, right. It's, it's just fun. It's, um, they're... They've both given up their jobs in London to travel. And we were talking about the same thing that you mentioned, Natalie. Um, if somebody had said to me when I left school that I would end up working at a university for 25 years, I would have just said, no way. The last thing I wanted to do was work here. I wanted to go into farming. I went to agricultural college. And then by 24, I decided I, my stepfather and I, we didn't get on. He, he had the farm. He was never going to hand it over to me. I needed a formal qualification. I had a kind of Mickey Mouse degree in agriculture. I needed something better. 
So I went down to London, jobless, homeless and skint, and went to the job centre on the Monday morning, and by 11 o'clock I had a uh, decent job at Pinewood Studios. Came yeah. out of the job centre. Yeah. Um. So what would you, uh, so did you feel pressure as well, is that what you're saying? I need to get married. Um, as a young man I, I wanted to have a decent job. But that didn't really. I, I just kept working hard, doing lots of hours. You can do that, especially in catering, which is what I moved into. And then I moved into accountancy. And I just worked hard. So you're an accountant? No, I'm not qualified. I, I needed a formal qualification, and that's when I, went, I did an MBA at Edinburgh. Sri! Yes. Hola, muchacho. What's up? I have a friend already. Miss Pamela Cook. Okay. Palmwood Studios. Yeah. And then... Opposite side, but I... was on a shoot in Beckton Gasworks. Beckton, yeah. yeah. Played some football down in Beckton. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. It's near West Ham. That's right, yeah. Your team. My team. I was working on the uh, James Bond film, For Your Eyes Only. Yeah. Roger Moore. Doing know. what? You. I was doing the catering. I, I thought you looked a bit like Roger Moore there for a minute. No, 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 no. I can't. Do, I can't do the eyebrows. It's. Uh, but uh, obviously, I met him. But um, there were the disused gasworks at Beckton. Yeah, I think. And if you remember, East, East the Ham, other... East Ham gasworks, they're known as, I think, which is like next to East. Next Beckton is in East Ham, Massive Menos, but. Continue, continue with it. So, I don't know if you remember the film, but the three minutes opening sequence, the helicopter was going in and out of the gasworks. Really? Yeah. I don't think I knew, I knew this. Yeah. We were there for three weeks to, to shoot three minutes. And it was fun. I, the big, the big things. Yeah. Yeah, I used to play football there every Sunday. Oh, East Ham. Right down space. by the river. Yeah. There's this disuse. I'm, I'm sure if you check, it's Beckton. But anyway, Beckton Gasworks. And the whole place was desolate. It'd been shut down for years. Years, yeah. But we had a, an American uh, ex Vietnamese helicopter pilot mm, to do okay. the stunt shots. Mm -hmm. Fucking hell, he was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus and. Uh, I got to go up with him in the helicopter and we flew along the Thames. And really? Oh, that's brilliant. But the guy was a complete nutter. He almost got fired off the uh, film unit because he, he was one day, everybody, we'd broken for lunch in the whole film unit. About 120 people were all uh, you know, relaxed around the catering vehicle and everything. And he just came straight down in the chopper. And it blew up all the ash from the ground. And, wow. the, and these rotors were almost hitting the, the uh, edge of the building. And the director was going ballistic. 
Nuts this, this guy was just... Yeah. He'd obviously seen so much in Vietnam. Yeah, it's nothing to him. So, in terms of when you said you changed career, um, what, what were you saying to Natalie about her b having pressure? Because you said you had pressure from your mum. Oh, that was to get married and have kids. Not anything about I jobs? Her, I was her only son. She, she wasn't too worried about me working because she knew I just would work hard and... Get something. Get something. But uh, what I was saying to Natalie, and it applies to all three of you, is do what you're happiest doing. Everything else doesn't matter. Because that is worth more than any amount of money. And you can change your mind, you can start off doing something that you were happy doing, but ten years later you might decide, well I've done that now, I want to go on and do something else. Um, what I, it sounds very so basic, but I would just make a list, just get a pen and paper and just write down what makes you happiest. And it's, I, it's quite surprising what you actually put down on that piece of paper. If you're honest with yourself and think, I've not tried this but I've always been interested in doing it. It's, and it's something I learned in my working life, managing people and money, is I always focus on the people's strengths. Because their strengths for a reason. And the reason is because they enjoy doing it. Yeah. I would never focus on somebody's weaknesses because they don't like doing it. So never force somebody to do something they don't like doing. Because they will, they will never be happy doing it. You can listen to all the management gurus in the world, but it's those basic principles, I think, are the ones that you should go with. Did you do that? Did you write down yes. what? And do you and live by it? Did you live by it? How long have you done lived by it for? I've made mistakes, but I'm now living, I say to my friends, I'm living the dream. Because my, most of my friends, even the four grumpy old men that I drink with when I'm back in Scotland, they're so jealous of me because this trip, they would all love to be doing it. Yeah. Three of them can't do it because they've got wives and children and stuff. Well, grandchildren for some of them, but um, Keith, the one that's divorced with no children, he's very risk averse, he wouldn't do what so, I'm doing. Yeah, it's... Do, have you done it, girls? Have you ever written down what makes you happiest as such or no. tried to figure it out? Have you? Mm -hmm. And do you do those things? I try to do Or do you forget them after, after a week? No, but it's, it's hard sometimes, you know? Yeah. Because it's very different what you mix happy and what the other suspect, suspect from you. Expert. 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 Yes, but you must write down what you want to do, not yeah. what your parents yeah. want you to do. I did that, but you know what you makes you happy? It's sometimes the... How do you say that? Um, 
what you make happy, it's for some people they they get sad, you know, because yeah. you don't how do you say that? I don't know how to explain it in English. Well, so if by you doing something and being happy, it could make other people sad. Yeah, or you know they suffer. Disappointed. From they're disappointed. Yeah. So because because you, that's interesting. Are you talking about your parents or family or people close to you? Yeah. Because really, if 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 they did this exercise and if they decided to what was really happy for them, I bet you being happy would be number one or thereabouts. So if you're doing something to make you happy, indirectly you are making them happy because they want to see you happy. Really. Would you agree? I would. But the, the problem with my generation, I think your parents are much younger than me, but I would put them in my generation rather than your generation. <coughs> it's a natural thing to want the best for your son or daughter mm-hmm. and they'll, they will always be kind of protective and oh we think you should maybe do this should we thought about this should mm-hmm. uh, quote unquote but it's at the end of the day it's your life it's um, it's quite brutal but at some point they will die and what you don't want is to Certainly don't want to get to you're twenty six now. You you don't ever really want to get to the point where you, you think, Oh, my biggest regret is I never did that. Mm-hmm. Because that will prey on your mind an awful lot. If you get married and have children but you always wanted to do a bit more travelling before you settle down. That will haunt you, I think. And and the thing is, who if you never did do it, who would you blame or what would you blame for not doing it? Probably your parents. So then really you're actually then putting out, you have that negative... <clears throat> against your parents mm-hmm. for holding you back maybe just because they love you so much yeah. they hold you back it's like you love your kids so much so you give them all the food in the world but you're killing them because it's all chocolate and sweets chalky yeah, chalky that was the word <laughs> I said chalky earlier as in referring to a chocolate bar and they were oh, like, right. Well, naturally, I would have thought, Chucky, this is a new word, but I, I can make the connection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but by the way, I did that last week. I did, I wrote down the things that make me happy. Okay. The actions. And, uh, were you surprised? No, no, I, I knew, I knew it, and I okay. felt like I needed to write them down to make it more real, so I lived okay. by them more every day, and I believe you, you don't just click and start living, doing them, living by them, because 
there's external influences yeah. which can hinder you but it's the process of working towards doing them and living them yeah. every day which you need to enjoy and do And I think it's getting more important for people to do that now because the world is not heading to a nice place. So the more you can do that you want to do before shit happens, then at least you've got a, a decent life ahead of you, a decent memory. Mm -hmm. Okay, so normally I finish with a few questions, and uh, Natalie, you first. What is your favourite place that you've travelled to? Um, San Blas. San Blas Islands. Yes. Really? But we had the. I thought you'd say Brazil. Yeah, I, yeah, that's right. Oh, but now you're thinking about it. Okay, sandblast, that's fine. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, do you think that travelling has changed your perspective on life? Yeah. Why? In one sentence. Um, um, I need to think. Um, where we when you ah you are with less happy less happy no you are with less things more happy okay you know what I mean yeah, how yeah. say that in English yeah you have you have less things but you have happiness yeah you know you are like more happy. you don't need that thing like before before you travel that uh, this all this thing what you think that you make you happy anymore like, you know like I mean? a car or something like you said yeah earlier. like this stuff or expensive resort vacation or that shitty stuff or even clothes like you know yeah um, okay I don't know how to say that in a sense you said it's fine yeah. what did I say okay last question do you listen to podcasts no okay that that, that was the end it, perfect you do really now it's really nice to meet you <laughs> <laughs> and you too adios thank you very much And for you, Charles, I have a few questions just to finish up okay. about your experiences after all of that advice. Um, so, what is your favourite place that you've travelled to? I guess the uh, one that springs to mind straight away is the uh, Valley of the Kings in Egypt. Good answer. Because that was nice and precise. Not many people can think of that. They were still uh, excavating... Uh, some potential new tombs, um, but they still use the same tools as they did years and years ago, centuries yeah. ago. And I just sat there, um, difficult to find a bit of shade, but I was, was smoking a cigarette with my friend and I had a Howard Carter moment mm. because they kept, the, the local people just kept shouting at each other and you just imagine that that's what it was like when Howard Carter was there. Yeah. Okay. So, next question. Do you think that travelling has changed your perspective of, on life? Where you look at Without it? a doubt. Um, I, I think people should be 
almost made to travel when they're young because it certainly broadens the mind. You meet people, you see people that are much less well off than you are and it makes you appreciate if you are lucky enough to be comfortable how the rest of the world is really struggling on less than a dollar a day. Yeah, it's scary, huh? Okay, last question. Do you listen to podcasts? And if so, which is your favourite one? I've never listened to a podcast. <sighs> Not many people listen to podcasts, but they do now. Okay, thank you for your advice, Charles, and we will see you later. So, guys, that's part two down of the conversation there with Natalie, Carly and Charles. I hope you understood what Charles was saying in that conversation and, and, and you really listened to Charles' advice. He, he really did like helping the younger people in the hostel and that's why he loved staying in the hostels with younger people throughout, throughout his travels. And fair play to him. Like he said, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people, a lot of his friends are really dead jealous of him travelling the world now and he's got a great plan uh, of travelling ahead. So that's great stuff. If you, if this episode helped you, inspired you, or you feel like this is good for someone else, make sure you share it on social media or you just send the link to somebody so somebody can listen and get advice and get inspiration to travel or do something different in their life. That would be great stuff. And if you've got time, leave us a review on whatever you're listening, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and the rest, Spotify as well. Thank you for listening, guys. If you're listening to this right now, then you really need to turn your podcast off earlier. But hey-ho. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.